Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus, Christ, Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Thank you very much. Uh, well, let's keep that part of the Bible open, if we can be referring to it as we, as we go through. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, please would you open our eyes so that we can see and understand what this part of your word is about. Um, would you open our ears and our hearts so that we would hear and receive, believe the message that you have for us here? Would we come out all the more eager to live for you because we have understood what is happening in these verses? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Leaving is a very emotional thing, isn't it? Uh, and particularly when somebody leaves, when they say goodbye, there's very few things that are more difficult than being left behind. And particularly when those people haven't had to go, they've chosen to go, they've chosen to leave. And that's true in church life as well. Sometimes people do leave. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that's not what Steve Jones is doing now. He just happens to be walking out. I, that, that's thrown me anyway. No. Sometimes people do leave, and, and, and in a more significant thing than just popping downstairs, uh, they actually leave, leave. And that is what has been happening with the people this letter was written to. We've seen that a few times throughout the letter so far, that, that, that some people had moved on. And now, more than the UK was divided a few years ago, that church was divided into leavers and remainers, if you want. That's probably not very helpful. Don't get that too lodged in your head. But you get the idea. There has been a split, a big split. And in that church, it was between those who had left, who had walked away, and those who had remained, who had stayed where they were. Now, whatever your views on Europe are, in this context, John is clear that they should have remained. That was where they needed to be. They needed to stay put 
where they were. And he has very strong words for those who left. He calls them antichrists. So we need to get to the bottom of this, don't we? We need to get to the bottom what actually happened and what that means for us. So in, in simple terms, some people had left. That's not the snappiest heading I've ever come up with. But I think it does get to the point of what sounds like a very complicated passage. Some people had left. On the very basic level, they had left their church. Verse 19 talks about those who went out from us. They used to be there. They used to be part of the church. Now they're not. It says they have not remained with us. It mentions their going. So there's a a group of people who had left their church. And it had been a huge source of heartache and confusion. And that's why John was writing to them. That's what had occasioned the letter. He was trying to help them understand that and, and how to handle that. Because it must have been a horrible thing. If you imagine a fairly large group of people, not newcomers, long-standing people, maybe, maybe uh, a few well-respected families. Maybe there's people there who normally help in junior church. You've got a home group leader or two. And it would make you think twice, wouldn't it, if those people were to move on And it makes you start thinking, well, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? We'd feel rejected. You you might even start going, well, maybe they're onto something. Maybe we should have gone as well. Now, there are all kinds of reasons why people leave a church. Some of those are good reasons, perfectly fine. Others are less so. And in this particular situation, it is the people who have left who are in the wrong. He is stinging in his criticism of them because they haven't just left their church, they have left the truth. These are a group of people who have departed from the gospel. That's why they left their church. It's because they had left the truth. So you see in verse 19, it doesn't just say they went out from you. It says they went out from us. And and throughout 1 John, us normally refers to John and the Apostles. So if you uh, remember back in chapter 1, it was a while ago we looked at it, how the Apostles were preaching the truth about Jesus, the things we need to know, the things we need to believe if we want a relationship with God. So in in chapter 1 verse 3 it says this, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we really need to have and want to have fellowship with that us. We need to be in with what the apostles were teaching. If we depart from that, well, we aren't just breaking away from a particular congregation. We're being told we're breaking fellowship with God if we no longer believe those things. These are people who had left the truth. And that is why John is so full on in his criticism, as he calls them antichrists. Let's see this, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. And then he goes on in verse 19. They went out from us. He's saying those people who've left, who've gone, they are antichrists. Now, we've got to be quite careful here. The word antichrist is a very loaded term now. I don't know what you think when you hear that word. Maybe a horror film, perhaps, 
we hear it, sort of the Antichrist. You think somebody with, uh, I don't know, a vampire or something with horns, some kind of 666 tattoo or something like that. If we try and forget all of that, and you just heard that somebody was anti-Christ, what would you think? You would think there is a person who does not believe in Jesus. And that is the heart of what it means. There is more to it, but that is the heart of it. See in verse 22, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. So you can see these are people who have left the truth. They no longer believe that Jesus is the Christ. They don't think Jesus is the King, the one promised in the Old Testament, the one who's now come to rescue us. They used to think that, or at least they seem to, but now they don't agree with it. Maybe they've changed their mind and they now think he's important, but he's not that important. Or else they think the whole thing about Jesus is completely misguided. It's not him at all. We've totally missed it. It's not him at all. These are not people who have ditched their faith altogether. They're not saying no to Jesus and no to God, no to religion in general. They're not saying that. That actually might be easier to handle because you can see that and go, well, that's obviously not right. These are people who still want to be religious. These are people who still claim to want to follow God. In the previous chapter, these are people who still say, I know him. I know God. But they don't want to do that in and through Jesus. And so they are now anti-Christ. But anti doesn't just mean against or opposed to. It can mean as well, instead of. They are instead of Christ's. These are a group of people who've replaced Jesus with something else or someone else or, or another person or even themselves. And that's often what we think of when we think of the Antichrist with a capital A, someone who's going to stand up and claim that place that belongs to Jesus. I am somebody instead of him. That, that, that can be what we, what we think of. And, and John is saying, well, you've, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, verse 18. There might be somebody in future who's like that on a big scale. But even now, he says, even now many Antichrists have come. He's saying there are lots of people who are like that on a little scale. Lots of people out there who are denying Jesus is the Christ. Not just non-Christians, ex Christians who now want to relate to God without Jesus. A lot of modern day cults and sub-Christian groups, this is where they've gone wrong. It's getting Jesus wrong because Jesus is so much the heart of things. When you get who he is wrong or, or what he's come to do wrong, everything goes completely off. So whether that is Jehovah's Witnesses or, or Mormons or Unitarians of various stripes, getting Jesus wrong, downplaying his identity, downplaying his role, it messes everything up. And the same is true of individuals who don't belong to any particular sect, but nonetheless who've come to reject Jesus. I know people this has happened to. You may well be able to think of people as well. I can think of a very close friend of mine who used to say that they were a Christian and now they would say they, they still want God but they don't think Jesus is the way. 
It's very, very sad to see. And it's not as obvious as we might think an antichrist would be. There aren't horns on that. They are ordinary people who've come to change their mind about something that could not be more important. And John wants to be clear. If you deny Jesus, then you lose God entirely. Let's read verse 22 and 23 again. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. Oh, hang on, how come the Father as well? But he goes on. Because no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So these are people who are denying Jesus. And he's saying, yeah, and in denying Jesus, they are denying the Father as well because the two come together. As Jesus himself said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And here, that same John who wrote that down is saying, yes, you cannot ditch Jesus and keep God the Father. Or the Holy Spirit comes to mention. These are people who have left the truth in a really significant way. I was speaking uh, this past week at uh, Thomas Adams Christian Union. Uh, there are a couple of people who were there, uh, who are here tonight. And we were talking a bit about primary issues and secondary issues, or differences that make a difference, and times when we can agree to disagree. This is a primary thing. In case we're in any doubt, this is a big deal. To deny Jesus is not one of those things which we can just agree to disagree. That puts you outside the bounds of the truth. And so when these people actually left physically, they were just revealing, actually quite helpfully, the truth that they had already left. They had already left theologically. They'd already left in their hearts before they did it physically. Verse 19 again says, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. It's been very revealing that they've gone. Why did they go? Well, because in a sense, they were never really here. They might have looked the part. They might have fitted in with everybody else. But over time, the truth will out. They weren't actually part of God's people, and so, of course, over time, they left. Now, this verse is a big one that gets used for illustrating a doctrine called the perseverance of the saints, that idea of that eternal security we have, that real Christians stay Christians, or, or as it's sometimes put, once saved, always saved. But Sometimes people mischaracterize it. They can act as if once saved, always saved means pray a prayer one time, then you don't need to worry at all about what happens after that. And that's not right at all, is it? The Bible's full of examples of people who seemed to start well, but who wandered off. What is that about? I think this verse is explaining what that is about. It's saying if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. It's revealing what's really been going on all along. Talking about faith in Jesus, R.C. Sproul said this, If you have it, you will never lose it. And if you lose it, 
you never had it. That's the idea that's going on here. Now, some of those people, we pray, if we, perhaps there's somebody who's come to your mind right now, we pray that they will come back, they will embrace Jesus once again. But if they don't, this is why. They left because they'd never really been there. They didn't belong. Now, again, just to be clear, not every time somebody leaves a church, it is because they've left the truth. The two don't always go together. You can leave a particular church without having deserted Jesus. And likewise, you can stay in the same church and actually inside be drifting theologically. That's true. But sometimes it is the case, and it was the case then, that those people had left their church because they had left the truth. So what should John's readers do? What should we do in the face of things like this? We need to remain. We need to remain. Other people might leave. We stay put. The word remain here, it comes up lots of times in these verses. Uh, And it isn't just about sticking with the same church family, although that that may be one of the ways that you remain is by saying, actually, I'm going to stay with my church family. But Here it's talking about particularly remaining with the truth, remaining with Jesus. If you see the last words of verse 27, remain in him. This is a call, a warning they needed to listen to because those people who left hadn't just left, they wanted you to leave as well. They wanted everyone else to leave with them. See in verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. They weren't just content with wandering off. They were trying to pull other people away from the path as well. They were taking people away from the truth where it was safe, off into error and danger. And so John writes them and says, look, when other people around you are walking away from Jesus, we need to remain. But John isn't simply saying, Careful, 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 warning, 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 although there is plenty of that here. He's also persuading them, persuading us that we don't need to leave, that we have everything we need already in the Lord Jesus. And so he draws lots of contrast in this passage between the people who've stayed and the people who've left. So there's a few times, things like verse 20, but you have an anointing. 24, as for you, 27, as for you, as for you, but you. So that's what they're like, but you are not the same. You are not like those who never belonged. He's confident about them to say, no, you've stayed because you are the real deal. They might be antichrist. You, on the other hand, are anointed. Verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. Now we miss a lot of the wordplay in English there. If you think Christ means anointed one, this is kind of saying they are anti-anointed one. You are anointed ones. You are so connected to Jesus, you've been anointed by the anointed. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been set apart for a purpose. It's not the same. He talks again about that anointing in verse 27 when he says, The anointing you receive from him 
remains in you. That anointing is real, not counterfeit. That's a real encouragement, isn't it? That would have been so encouraging for them when they first heard that. When so many of the keen people had gone, for him to say, no, you are not fakes. You are not deserters or defectors. You are genuine believers in Jesus, sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so you don't need anything else. As verse 27 puts it, you do not need anyone to teach you. Now that can't mean they don't need any teaching whatsoever. It would be a very strange thing to write these people a letter if you didn't think they needed teaching at all. Um, It's saying here, look, you don't need somebody to come along and tell you what it's all about, as if you don't know. You don't need somebody to go, oh, you're completely wrong. Let me show you the right path. You're on the right path. You don't need someone to teach you because you're there already. And that's so often how false teaching comes in, as people coming along and acting as if, what are you doing over here? No, no, no. We've discovered this new thing. I don't know what all you plebs have been doing, but we've discovered the real thing over here. It takes real conviction that you've already found it to not go off with them, doesn't it? John is saying, you don't need anybody to tell you anything you don't already know. Which is quite an ironic reason for writing them a letter, isn't it? I'm just writing to tell you that you don't need me to tell you anything. You don't need anyone to tell you anything because you already know it. That's what he says in verse 21, isn't it? I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. I'm writing because you already know this. This letter is supposed to be such an encouragement to them and to, to us as well. You know the truth. You know the truth. You are in the right place. You just need to remain. You just need to stay. And the way to stay, the way to remain, is to let the truth remain in you. So verse 24. As for you... See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. So what do we need to have so that we can have eternal life? We don't need more information if you are a Christian. You don't need new revelation or secret knowledge. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. The good news about Jesus, that is what we need. That truth which gets inside us, gets to work on us. He's saying, make sure that remains there and you don't let it go. Because, he says here, if the gospel remains in us, we remain in God. We get the eternal life he promised. So whatever anybody else does, we need to remain, making sure the truth remains in us. Now, in some ways, this seems like quite a complicated passage. When you first look at it, it's got all the antichrists and anointings and all those sorts of things. But at the heart of it is a very practical problem, isn't there? Some people had left and some very practical commands. We need to remain So are we going to do that? Or are we in danger of leaving the truth behind? It's really, really important to make sure that the truth we first learned about Jesus remains in us. We don't get bored of it. 
that we don't take it for granted, that we don't substitute it for anything else, we must make sure Jesus remains our focus and our hope. Because it is only through him that we have fellowship with God. So this evening, wouldn't it be good to recommit to trusting in Jesus alone, to not being led astray by anybody or anything with a lower view of Jesus? You may have noticed, most people in the world out there don't think Jesus is as good as we think Jesus is. And so day by day, our view of him can easily just go down to about the level of everybody else when we're supposed to be seeing him more and more wonderful as he is. Beware of that when we start putting more attention on ourselves and what we need to do than on him. But if instead we believe Jesus is the Christ, he is the saviour, he is your saviour, then you should be really reassured. Even if you don't feel like it, we're on the right track. Those first uh, people getting this letter and reading it, they must have just felt all over the place as they're those other people who had left, they look so spiritual. They look so impressive. They don't have horns coming out of their heads, these antichrists. They, they aren't the devil in the shadows or anything like that. We know them. They could have said, look, we like them. They used to babysit our children. We just don't know who to trust anymore. And John is saying, keep trusting Jesus. That's who to keep trusting. Don't be taken aback. Don't be taken aback when other people walk away. It's very, very sad, but it is to be expected. After all, this is the last hour, he says in verse 18. We're in the final moves of the game before Jesus comes back. The enemy is going to do whatever he can to try and unsettle us. But it's not going to work because the fact that it's happening reminds us, oh yeah, it's the last days. As verse 18 says, this is how we know it's the last hour. So this is why we're going to focus on Jesus all the more. Some people had left their church. They'd left the truth. But we need to remain. Let me pray for us that we would do that. Heavenly Father, it can be very unsettling when we see people leaving the truth. We pray, please, would that not be any of us. Help us to remain by letting your truth remain in us. We thank you so much for the reassurance we've heard about eternal life, that we have it and that we know you. We pray that tonight we would be strengthened in that knowledge as we put our trust in Jesus once again. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.